I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hello and welcome to Lead with Impact. I am Brian Rollo, and I am delighted that you are tuning in for today's episode. We have a great discussion, I think, that I'm looking forward to. We're going to be talking to Morella Borson. Morella is a leadership development coach and trainer, and she has a rather unique path that she took to get there that I can't wait to dig into. Morella just retired as a police executive, where she was in a top leadership position for eight years. She then embarked on her journey to become a leadership development and training coach, and her passion is to help others succeed. Morella teaches new leaders and first-time supervisors the necessary leadership skills to become effective while being inspirational and motivational to their team. Morella has a master's in organizational management and an MBA. She's a certified life coach and she is working on her master coaching certification from the Behavioral Coaching Institute. I can't wait to talk to Morella, so let's get going. So we are very fortunate to have Morella Borson with us today. Welcome, Morella, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Brian, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. So I want to ask you to start with, what made you want to start out on your journey to be a leadership development coach and trainer? Uh, so when I had retired from the police department as a police executive, I was a police lieutenant for my last the last eight years of my career. Uh, and prior to that, I was a, a, a supervisor, first line supervisor. It just um, daunted on me that along the way I have um, helped people promote or mentored get into different positions. And I really, really loved that part of my job. So that kind of sparked the interest of using the coaching certificate that I actually um, had gotten about three years ago and um, use my skills and knowledge and abilities and my experience and training to help other leaders succeed. So what was it like leading on a police department, specifically as a police lieutenant? Uh, it was fun, <laughs> but also challenging at times. Uh, I can't lie, lie there because um, I have been um, a, a woman who kind of got raise up the ranks there. And as you know, police departments are usually primarily uh, male-dominated cultures. And um, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, but it's also been challenging at times uh, because I always um, wanted to do really well. I always wanted to 
um, maintain the highest standards of everything. Uh, so um, I think that that journey had actually turned me to be the person that I am today uh, with, with its challenges and also happy moments and also trials and tribulations. Did you feel like there was resentment against you because you were a female in a leadership position in that culture? I think that from some old older timers, probably. Uh, but for the most part, no. I think that for the most part is, is until people got to really know who you are and how you operate. And it was easy again in, a, in the sense that I... Uh, grew up in that department that I kind of moved up the ranks there, which made it certainly easier than other people who uh, promoted from other organizations because you always have uh, that kind of fighting against you in a sense because nobody knows you. So when you already have an established credibility and established reputation, um, I think it is easier. You know the people. It's, It's easier. However, in some aspects, it's easier. However, I did uh, feel like I always had to prove myself in a lot of the aspects because I was a female. I can definitely see how that would happen. And one thing I know is when I work especially with emerging leaders, one of the difficulties they often have is moving from a peer to a leader. Mm-hmm. Because although you said there's advantages of being the same place and being promoted, there's some difficulties, too, because sometimes your relationships with people have to change just by the nature of the leadership position. And I can imagine that would be magnified even more in such a high stress job, like being the leader of a police department. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I had to supervise oftentimes. uh people who were officers for longer than I was uh, or even more uh, mature, like older than I was. And and those always come with the challenges, too, because people um, are, you know, we have a saying in the police department, the cops don't like change, but they don't like things the way they are either. (laughs) So it's one of those, the dichotomy of that is it's difficult sometimes to bypass, but I think being who you are as a leader and as a person definitely helps having the interpersonal skills, the human skills, being caring, being understanding, being considerate, um, having emotional intelligence. I think it absolutely helps bypass um, all those roadblocks. I find the same thing when I talk to emerging leaders. I tell them sometimes you just have to wait it out. You got to realize sometimes there's going to be a little resentment. Sometimes there's going to be a little bit of conflict, but you have to be yourself. You have to be human. Don't pretend like you know everything just because you got the promotion. Make them find a way to make them still feel important and be yourself and let them know that they're important to your progress. Did you employ those kinds of tactics? Yes, absolutely. And and I I always think too that having the trust 
um, that you have to have, like you have with any relationship. It's not just for police departments, but I believe in any leadership position, you have to uh, to establish a, a culture of trust and trust around you in the sense that you have to have people trust that you're going to do a good job, that you're going to care for them, that you're going to have the best interests at heart. And also following, I always say following up and following through. Because one of the things that I think employees want from us as leaders is that when we say something to to do it, to follow through, and then to follow up to see if that work, if, if, if things change, if they're better. Uh, and like you said, I think that uh, leading with the heart and to the heart is very, it's extremely important to help other people feel valued, to ensure you're genuine about it and be as authentic as you can. That's brilliant advice. So let me ask you, was there anything that surprised you about being in that leadership position once you got the job? That surprised me? Hmm. Things maybe you weren't expecting the... uh, you had to learn to overcome or work with? I actually did think that it was easier before than it it, it really was. <laughs> so the job itself, because Brian and, and I, I'm sure as a leadership coach, you know this too, and this is something that we all as leadership coaches have to, to kind of uh, fight against and, and teach companies is that just because people – can do a job well, that doesn't mean they can be great leaders. <laughs> so it seemed so easy uh, by other people doing the tasks of the job. Uh, but the personnel part, the people part, that was the hardest part that nobody taught me. Nobody um, actually guided me, so to speak, uh, so to, to learn you know, what would work, what doesn't, how to be with people, how to behave with people. So I think that that was the most surprising part. And, and, and also that ultimately people want you to care. It doesn't matter if you're in a cop uh, world or in a corporation. It doesn't matter if you work in a school. It doesn't matter if you're a small business owner and have employees. I think that when you communicate to everybody that you truly care that people will react to you. And it's not that it was surprising. It was a nice surprising that, you know, that you touch people in certain ways, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And if I could go back and just play the recording of what you said a moment ago, I would play that for every leader I ever talked to because so many organizations, uh, they do just that. They say, if you're really good at doing a task, you must be the next one in line to be the boss. If, mm-hmm. you're, if you're really good at making widgets, then you should be the leader of everybody who's making the widgets. And it just doesn't work that way. They're two totally nope. different skill sets. Absolutely. And uh, sometimes... If the person's open to training or has some of the natural qualities, it can work. But, but some, sometimes it's a little bit difficult. So I totally empathize with you on that one. So what was the biggest benefit you gained from that leadership position? And maybe that helped you to the next step? Oh, my God. I, I think that it truly 
it, it truly got me to be who I am as a person, not just as a leader uh, and the coach, because, and this goes hand in hand with putting yourself into, first of all, having the right mindset to want to change, to be better, to perform better, to become a better leader yourself, then to put yourself in the situations where you have the opportunities to do so. And thirdly, to put in application everything that you learn, because just because you go to training or seminars and you read books, it doesn't make you a better leader. Leadership is a journey. And what happens is because it's it's primarily made of people, there are different dynamics, there are different um, situations that come, there are different personalities. So you will never know two situations are the same because people are not the same. So you always constantly and uh, always learn, you constantly evolve, you you um, you change and you challenge uh, yourself to do better, to be better, to become the best person. I still have to evolve. I still have to learn. I still have to um, perhaps move for the next step. But I totally believe that I learned a lot and those leadership skills that you learned, that you perfected, that you um, help other people's enhance or gain, you bring home in your community. So you better person at home as well, because I really believe that leadership bleeds into our personal life. You can't be um, inconsiderate or not talk at, at home and and be rude and uh, have no emotional intelligence or be emphatic with your family, but yet at work, you're this completely different person. It just doesn't work that way. It only could work for a very limited time because right. it's human nature to to behave just the way we are, ultimately. Yeah, people are going to see the real us sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And, and leadership, too, goes Beyond the workplace, although we talk about it a lot in the workplace, it can apply in the family or in the community and so many other places. So it all ties together, I think. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, at the beginning when I was listening to Simon Sinek and and even um, John C. Maxwell talks about this all the time, that leadership is influence. I was thinking influence in the sense that you influence others for the good for the behavior, but it's, it's truly for me, it goes both ways because there are so many leaders who you lead by example automatically. So you can be a bad example. And when you are uh, perhaps using bad skills, bad behaviors, and then you ingraining in your immediate circle of influence, then other people, this is what they learn, and this is what they see, and that's what they carry further. So uh, I really believe that it influences uh, behavior no matter where we are. Yeah, because you're a multiplier in that position. And if they pick up on those negative traits, people are going to copy them, just like you said. Yep. So I want to ask you a little bit, 
about who helped you. So you mentioned a couple of uh, famous leaders. It sounds like you've been studying some of their works. Is there anybody else maybe on that level or even a personal level who's sort of been a helper or a mentor to you to help you progress? Uh, I'm a big faith believer, so I think that I would have never be here if it wouldn't be for God and my faith. And um, definitely that's been a huge part in my life. I love uh, listening to Simon Sinek and, and also um, reading. Uh, I also liked, uh, um, like uh, John C. Maxwell. I read Good to Great, uh, Stephen Covey's books, um, and a lot of other books. And I think that they all added just a piece. Uh, one of my mentors has been uh, the chief of police. He um, really has helped me see and think differently, think globally, uh, really using, uh, allowing me to be who I am, uh, even though it's sometimes perhaps I didn't make the best decisions, but I was allowed to learn. I was allowed to grow. I was allowed to make mistakes. Uh, of course, not huge mistakes because you can't afford to have huge mistakes in a police department. Uh, but just those small things that you can learn, learning experiences. And I think those all together make you who you are. And uh, I attribute those to, um, to everybody who touched my life in one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. We all have people who helped us get to where we are. So it's rewarding when we can go back and think about that and have a little gratitude, at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we ever get where we are by ourselves. No. And I don't think leadership is made to be a um, one-way road in the sense that you, you, you don't look right, you don't look left. You always have somebody who's, um, who's helping you, who's supporting you, who's... Uh, adding something to your journey. Right. I agree. So at some point, it sounds like you decided to transition from being a police lieutenant into a career as a leadership coach. So can you tell me about that thought process and maybe that series of actions? What did that all look like? Yes. Um, so... Last year, when I had to uh, medically retire after 18 years in uh, policing, I kind of wasn't sure what direction to take and how could I use my knowledge and skills and my passion. I think it's more goes to the passion of helping others. Um, how could I put that all together into helping other people succeed, whether it's career-wise, because I also help uh, without not just transitioning, but promotional with promotional processes, job interview processes and, and the leadership coaching that I do. It just um, daunted on me. And, and actually, when I was talking to a coach that she told me, well, this is exactly what your passion is, because I can feel it. I can hear it. I can uh, I can see it in, in your body. I can see it in in you. So you shouldn't have any question about what you should do next. <laughs> so right. that's how I kind of started. 
because uh, I, I really reflected on what she said. And I said, oh, my God, she's absolutely right. I could talk about it for hours and I could help people for hours and I could would spend time and time and time again on this topic. And it gives me joy. But what gives me most joy is truly to see other people succeed. Um, I think that when you can be an inspiration and a motivation for somebody else, even if you change somebody's life for just a fraction of a second, it it's it's meaningful and it adds to our um, gratitude to know that we did something good and that our help assisted somebody else and made a difference into somebody else's journey. I agree, you know, and I've said this before in many other episodes, but to me it's the most rewarding part about being a leader. Sure, we all like to get paid and there's benefits and there's maybe a little prestige and all those sorts of things, but to see somebody progress that stays with you, especially if you know you were part, at least a little part of them going from point A to point B to point C. Uh, mm-hmm. There's nothing better, I think, than seeing that. I'm sure you probably have some people you can think of that you've helped get to that point. Yes, and, and it was so nice when, even when I retired, it was so nice to have so many people reach out and just say really nice things to me that I never even thought of or um, didn't realize that perhaps I did make a difference. And it, it was just so nice and moving to know that I did something right. Because I think we all of us need to know um, that we are contributing, at least for me, I need to know I'm contributing somehow to making the world better. And um, it, it meant a lot to me to know that I did something right. So if you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would you tell the younger Marcella? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, To really believe in yourself and to know that you're made for great things um, and also to have the patience. I think that a lot of us, when we are young, we are very impatient uh, with ourselves. Um, And I wish I would have started earlier to work on the mindset and the power of the subconscious mind, for sure. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, Yeah. Um, So I grew up in Romania and a lot of the Eastern European countries, and that's nobody's fault about that. It's just culturally uh, that way is the fact that everybody kind of is um, gloomy most of the time and kind of impoverished by the life and hardship. So you grow up to be kind of in a negative environment, so to, to speak. So I often said that I was a negative and turned into a positive. <laughs> and I, I learned about truly the that we are the messengers of ourselves, that we are the creators of our, um, our situations 
a lot of times because I and I tested this on on myself that I knew that when I had something bad that happened in the morning that um, if I chose to be positive, if I chose to be happy, it absolutely changed my entire outlook and it changed that entire day versus um, being upset and angry of something bad and just uh, really not being able to control. So I think that this way you become more aware of emotions, you become more aware of your feelings, and you become more aware of the situations, how they affect you, so you can stop it in its tracks when it gets out of hand. So I had to work a lot on myself on, on truly um seeing how was I feeling, how was I doing, how was I uh, perceiving such a situation, was I able to control certain things, letting go, uh, the importance of truly letting go, forgiveness, vulnerability, uh, which are so important even in leadership. Uh, all of those things, um, it makes a, a leader courageous and it makes a person courageous. And um, I learned that I could do that with my mind. I could use the mind to get where I wanted to um, succeed, to focus, um, and and just get to where I wanted to get. That is a valuable lesson. And I really appreciate you putting that into perspective because I think we all fight that battle. and. There's so much power in just breaking out of those negative limitations that we put on ourselves sometimes. And I, I appreciate you sharing that message. Yeah, because I believe, Brian, that, you know, if we don't have the right mindset, it's, it's useless to do anything else. And I'm not saying useless in a negative way, but I think that that's where we have to start first is working on the mindset, working on ourselves, acknowledging, and it starts with the emotional intelligence, with the awareness that we have, uh, and then going from there. And I think that you can go, if you go in your mind, you go in your body. Uh, I forgot who said that. Uh, I didn't say it, but I know that um, uh, it's so important and it truly changes the way you look at things and the way you do things. Yeah. And I think to succeed and to be, and you define your own success, but to get where you wanted to get, you absolutely have to make up your mind. You have to have the focus. You have to have the determination and, and the, use the power that you have in your mind to get where you wanted to get. I love it. So let me revisit something you've mentioned a couple of times, and that is emotional intelligence. And I want to ask you that because I'm going to employ a stereotype here, so please feel free to correct me. But I think when most people think of a police force, for instance, emotional intelligence isn't something that might come to someone's mind immediately as a, a trait that most police are working on putting into place, I guess, is the right way to say it. So can you talk a little bit about that, why that's been important to you? Yes. Uh, 
And you're absolutely right. Actually, statistically, when I started, uh, so I, I, my second master's, I actually turned it from a doctoral degree in leadership development. I turned it into a master's program. But when I was doing research for my thesis, I was reading a lot. And this is 10 years ago, a little bit over 10 years ago. And, and we know that Daniel Goldman has talked about intelligence, emotional intelligence a lot longer but for me, it was a revelation. So I started to to doing research and in, in emotional intelligence on police officers, and I realized that, um, especially cops, had a very very low emotional intelligence, um, e even less than forty percent, which is extremely low. So um, it kind of got me into thinking to, okay, how can I change that? And for and even when I took the test, there there are some free tests out there that anybody can take. I even scored kind of low. And I was shocked because I'm more empathic, I would say. I'm more touchy-feeling or <laughs> more caring. And I still... So I started working on that because there are seven... Um, elements uh, that go into emotional intelligence and and I started working, learning about them and seeing how can I apply them to be better? Um, how can I use them in my job? How can I teach other people? Uh, and 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 I believe those are in, in, and I think that emotional intelligence most most important is the awareness. Uh, and coming from a yoga back, background, too, because I am a yoga instructor as well, <clears throat> I believe we always talk about the awareness and staying in the now and, and helping ourselves know our surroundings and knowing where we are and how we are feeling. I think it's very important. And it's, <clears throat> I'm sorry, <clears throat> it's important to bring that into leadership and teaching the people to be aware, to be um, to be able to communicate, to be aware to of the environment, to be aware of how other people are feeling, um, and uh, to be aware of of how they could do better at certain times. Do I step back, or do I continue? What What can I say right now? Uh, it's just the mindfulness. It's 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 being aware. And being mindful of your surroundings, of your people, of their emotions, of your emotions. And then how can you apply all of that to, to get the results that you want? So valuable. So valuable. So we're getting close to time here. So I just got a couple more questions for you. Your leadership development coach and trainer now. So if you work with somebody... How do you help them? What can they expect if they work with you? So what do we do? I also, like you, I specialize in my particular um, passion is to help uh, new leaders. And so after being in a position, I help them um, truly gain uh, through exercises and through feedback that they get from other people, um, gain effective interpersonal skills like communication, how to build relationships, how to be authentic um, so that they can in turn um, become more inspirational and motivational to their employees. 
and also more confident and comfortable in their role because those are really the things that I don't think anybody teaches us. Uh, you know the job, but then how do you know uh, how to confront? How do you know how to communicate and when to communicate? How to step back and when to step back? So I work with uh, with uh, people, with leaders, with new leaders. For the new leaders, is um, I have a program that we go with. It's uh, a six-week program that we go and we talk about um, everything that they need to have as a newer leader. And I look at there. Also, I have a feedback questionnaire that they must have uh, their family and also their coworkers uh, complete so that they know what are some of the things that they're missing or they can improve. And then when we work on two or three of those areas that they want, because it's kind of a shorter uh, program, so we can improve and if they want to, of course, they can um, go uh, longer than that. And for the other leaders, I have a 90-day program. So the beginning one is more of a introduction, so to speak, to to leadership, to supervision, to have the foundational skills that they need to succeed and do their job better. Uh, and it's more conversational. That sounds uh, really valuable for people who work with you. Do you do that online, Morella? Yes, I do that online in the sense that I actually like to meet people via Skype. Um, and and get to know them, or be live. We, uh, but I I usually mo- or Zoom. I'm sorry, I meant to say Zoom, um, either Skype or Zoom, so that I I can um, talk to them because I look at the where people are even in their emotions. I think that that's very important to work with the whole person, and um, over the phone sometimes that doesn't always help. So I like to see them. I like to have that at least face-to-face and virtual face-to-face interaction, if you will. <laughs> so if somebody wants to work with you, where can they find you? Um, if they can find me at the inspirationalleadershipcoaching.com. That is my website, and they can contact me there. I'm also on uh, LinkedIn at Morella Borson or Facebook Morella Borson or at Coach Morella. And um, those are really the easiest, fastest way that I can be reached at. Fantastic. So one last question. What does the future hold for Morella? I'm hoping to write a book. I've been wanting to write this book on communication for leaders, why leaders can't communicate. (laughs) Because I think... I think I really think that this is so important, and um, we we all know that for some reason uh, we talk a lot, but we can't communicate, mm-hmm. uh, and we we missing that piece somehow. So I'm hoping there. I don't know, but I also would love to uh, be a speaker, uh, a, a more of an inspirational and transformational speaker where I can inspire other entrepreneurs, other women, other, uh, leaders, whether men, women, um, millennials, especially millennials to, uh, follow their dreams, to allow themselves to grow, to, uh, do everything with passion and to know their why, 
Because when you know your why, why do you get up every morning? That is the fuel that drives you. That is the energy that you're going to have, not just through the day, but to fulfill those dreams that you have. Well, I have to say, I think you'd be a fantastic inspirational speaker. You've been very inspirational on this podcast today. And I want to thank you for giving us so much of your time and sharing so much knowledge with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it uh, anytime. And it was an honor to talk to you and about my journey and about what I'm most passionate about leadership. So that was Morella Borson, everybody. I hope you got as much out of that conversation as I did. I really took a lot away from it. Really was interested in her experiences leading in a police department. And I loved what she said about the power of mindset and emotional intelligence specifically. Thank you for listening today. You can find me at brianrollo.com. You can email me at brian at brianrollo.com. If you have any thoughts or comments about the podcast, if you get a chance, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Like and subscribe, rate and review. Anything you could do would be much appreciated as we strive to bring you great content on leadership every day. So that's going to wrap up the show. Go out there, have a great day, and lead with impact.